Tabula Rasa, bitches! Hello, hello. Well, hello. My name is Allie, my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Nick, and my pronouns are he, him. And welcome to season three, episode four of Tabula Rasa, bitches! In Tabula Rasa, bitches, your two co-hosts discuss and dissect Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a show that bonded them together so many years ago. And in this episode, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 4, Beauty and the Beasts. As usual, we'll do our best to avoid spoilers beyond this episode, but today we'll discuss this episode, spoilers and all. Things between Buffy and her new BF Scott are progressing nicely, but there's a brutal killing in the Sunnydale woods. Werewolf Oz is the prime suspect. Buffy, however, soon learns that Angel was sent back from whatever hell dimension he was in and is back in Sunnydale in a feral, animalistic state. Buffy worries that Angel is the killer, but both Oz and Angel turn out to be in the clear when the gang uncovers a classmate's abusive boyfriend, Pete, has been taking a potion that made him stronger, but also turns him into a roid rage monster. Suspecting shenanigans between Oz and his girlfriend, Debbie, Pete goes after Oz but the sun soon sets and werewolf Oz puts up a good fight. Buffy enters the fray and Pete runs away. Buffy pursues, but it's just minutes too late to save Debbie from Pete. Buffy is momentarily thrown by Pete when a large form, Angel, leaps in and savagely snaps Pete's neck. Angel's vamp face slowly fades when he sees Buffy before he breaks down in tears. And we originally had a disclaimer on here that this summary was adapted from Buffy Guide, but Allie did a lot of beautiful editing on that that I just read for the first <laughs> time while she was saying that. And I don't think that attribution is now important. Well done, Allie. Aw, thank you. All right. Well, so so this episode starts off with a voiceover first of Buffy and transition transitions into Willow reading Call of the Wild. Did you have to ever have to read that book for school? I didn't read it. I did, I mean, notice both the episodes starting and ending with this. I thought about looking okay. it up. I've never read it. Did you ever read it? We read it in, I think, seventh grade, and I fucking hated it. That's, an, that's a big Jack book London. for a seventh grade. Seventh grade? Seventh or eighth, yeah. It was definitely middle school. It does not feel like yeah, a middle school book. Hated it. We also read a short story by Jack London called To Build a Fire, which I'll give you the cliff notes. Dumbass is going through these like wintry mountains or whatever. He and his dog, they're hiking through. And all the locals are like, dude, you should wait a couple days. Storm's coming in. And he's like, whatever, idiots. So he goes, ends up getting stranded by the snow. And he has the whole thing is him trying to build a fire. Oh, imagine that. And it's, you know, the wind is blowing down, like all this stuff. He even tries to kill his dog to, so they can like climb in him and stay warm. But his like joints all freeze up and he ends up dying. And the dog trots off to the next town. Good. I'm glad it the dog survived. It was the dumbest survived. thing I've ever read. And I hated it. Good. That was like the one silver lining is the dog survived. But it was just like about this idiot being an idiot. And I fucking hated it. I didn't like the writing style. It sounds really nice when it's like being dramatically read like that. It's very poetic. No, it doesn't. But a whole book of that, fuck that. Yeah. 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 Neither neither the shirt story nor the book that they were reading aloud to Oz sounded good to me. And Werewolf Oz also didn't love 
how the book was sounding because <laughs> there's that jump scare where he like mm -hmm. attacks the uh, cage and Willow was like, oh well, shit. Well, I think the idea was that he was getting too excited, not that he didn't like it. Or at least that's how Willow was interpreting it. But you're right. Maybe Oz was like, fucking quit it. Yeah. Read something else. I I believe that Willow would be inclined to be like, of course everybody likes this, but I don't think that's true. Yeah. I feel like maybe Oz would have been like, I don't know, put on some like Metallica or something. <laughs> this this episode has a lot of good Oz quotes that I've uh, forgotten I about. Love Oz I love Oz-heavy episodes. Thought that you would like like this one. Yeah. So yes. um Xander shows up to take over for Ozwatch and Willow gives him some instructions. Yeah, yeah. And they have this kind of exchange about Willow's like, oh, there are towels up for privacy. And Xander's like, it's fine. And Willow's like, no, actually, it's for me. I'm not used to seeing Xander. all of him naked. And Xander's like, what? What part of him are you talking about? And Willow yeah. goes, wouldn't you like to know? Which was a very cute moment from Willow. But Xander just like is just a being a total knob from the start. Because he first off is like, I can handle, I can handle the full Monty Oz. And he's like, not, not handle, handle. Obviously. Like if you, if you had said that, no one here was going to assume that there would be touching involved. We would have just thought what you meant. I can handle it like any other human. And then again, he's like you said, when she's like, ah, I'm still just getting used to the top half. And he's like, how, how much have you seen? And the top half and She's all like cute and coy, but like, what the fuck do you care, Xander? Like, yeah, like I you and you haven't already like probably fingered Cordelia and got a blowy from her. Like, and come and on. also you rejected Willow for years and years and years. Why do you care that if she's getting like, what is this? Right. What is this? Like, I don't want you to explore thing. Yeah, or even if it's coming from like protective big brother. That still doesn't even really make sense because, like, we all know and approve of Oz. So, like, just get it, girl. And it's she's talking about getting used to, like, the top half. So, like, obviously they're not having sex. So it's not like you have to worry about her, like, safety or anything like that. It's just, like, it's just totally dumb. It's just, like, generic boy dumbness. Yeah. That, frankly, kind of similar vibes from Dead Man's Party where you're, like, this just feels hack or lazy or just like you could have had him being cool. Instead, you continue to like encourage this like immature side of him. The line about the, oh, not handle him. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. not in a gay way. That's not what I meant. Right. That's one of those exactly. lines to me that would be on the, on the fan sites. It's hotly debated that they were considering making Xander gay and I don't know if they if that was like settled at this point or something, but if that had been a character arc he'd went through, then mm -hmm. we would all think about that line differently. But as it yeah. states, it's just like, are you like Because it because again, spoiler alert, there is no payoff with Xander. Like Yeah. This is not a Larry this is not a Larry situation where it makes all of it make sense at the end and like, oh my gosh, now it all yeah. No, it right. doesn't What's work out that way. What's wrong with people thinking you're gay? What is that? That's, nobody thinks also that, but that. like, what would that, why, yeah, figure it out, Xander. Right, right. So next we are walking through the graveyard. Buffy and Faith are on patrol. I have one They're more note. A bit of I'm sorry. Talk. Oh, sorry. We agreed you were no, driving and then I promptly interrupted you. That was very rude. 
Xander is such a piece of shit in this scene for a lot of reasons. Willow leaves and he immediately, immediately fucking goes, goes to, sleep. to sleep. Dude, you are so bad at this. God. After talking about like, I've got my coffee, I've got my magazine, I'm good to go. And then he promptly lays down, doesn't even like attempt to stay awake. Not even attempts. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, right. sorry. So, Keep driving. So Nope, you're right. That is that is fine. I, that is some Xander slander that I'm behind because yeah, this he was just. I'm gonna just say he was poorly written in this scene, mm-hmm. and and give him that excuse. Um, so next scene, Buffy and Faith are walking through the cemetery. You know the cemetery that you know we've always seen. They're having some lovely girl chat, and Faith asks Buffy how things are going with Scott. And she says, like, he's sweet, thing, you know, things haven't got spicy or whatever. And Faith says, he's a total muffin. And she says, yeah, one of the blueberries, blueberry ones. And I'm like, yes, I fucking love blueberry muffins. It was just a very sweet moment. And I have been like a Scott advocate for a long time. He's like the forgotten boyfriend. I think there's a lot of like pureness and sweetness yeah, I just like it very much enjoy this very early little where everything's just like a little unsure, a little exciting. I think it's it's very nice for Buffy to experience this. It's unsure, but also very casual. And like she says, my most favorite thing so far uh, is that he doesn't seem to be any kind of hell beast, which I bet. Uh, yeah, I bet that does feel nice after that. And then. Faith's line immediately after that, that resonates with me so hard right now, Allie. <laughs> did you write this quote down? Yeah, I sure did, because it's very appropriate for 2023, 2024. <laughs> she says, all men are beasts, Buffy. <laughs> and then and then she goes on to say, I don't care how sensitive they act. They're all just in it for the chase. I hate men so much, and I'm just going to leave it there. I definitely vibe with that of... Certainly where we're at, like I said, 2023, 2024, in this, the year of the Barbie movie, I'm definitely in a place of assume the worst, hope for the best, or like guilty and still proven innocent kind mm. of thing. I definitely agree. Not all men. You know, I, I do like to have a, be a little more of an optimist than, than Faith, but I, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I'd... I'd rather be, play it safe and assume the worst. <laughs> I get so excited when I have to like lift or Uber somewhere and it ends up being a woman. Ugh. Like just like the immediate sigh. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I don't have to be tense this entire car ride. Yeah. Hashtag things that are unreal in our mm-hmm. society, but are very real. It's wild. So school the next day? Yep. Yep. The girls slay some vamps. As they do. Uh, So we're at school the next day. The gang's walking up, chit-chatting. Scott from a ways away says, hey, hey, Buffy. And then once they they meet up, he says, that's what I stopped you for, to say hey. I was just like, oh, Scott. It is so wholesome and easy and just, ah, I did love that. I wrote down that interaction too. Yeah. Right? It's very cute. And and the whole like, oh, wait, are are we at Flowers? No, we're fine. We are pre-posy. Like, adorable and more adorable Ozness. He has this riff on they tried to have a jazz marching band, but since it's improvisational, it like kept being a mess. Thought that was really funny. Yeah, there's some good yeah, there there's some good Oz banter here too. And and so at this point too, we've met Debbie and Pete, who are gonna be mm-hmm. fixtures in this episode. And 
Um, so Debbie, I guess, is struggling in some science class and Oz is like, oh, I did really well with that. I'll give you my notes. And it's really sweet. It's just like a nice casual friends interaction. Like some of these people can have a bit of normalcy. And it's, uh, knowing, of course, you know, spoiling for myself, knowing where this is going, it's hard to be like, it's hard not to feel like this is just waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah, right. You know, it's not, we can't, we never get to stay in this kind of scene for very long. Oz's mention of, of jazz marching band awakened a memory I hadn't thought about in so long. When I was in marching band, a group of us used to have this ongoing joke about extreme marching band. And they like made up whole rules and stuff like back when Facebook notes were a thing. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And you'd post like you're about me or like your schedule and stuff. So someone posted all of the rules for extreme marching band. And so it's two marching bands on the field at the same time. <laughs> and you have to perform your show as best you can with the other team. And then like the front pit, which is like all of the things that don't move, like the glockenspiels and like all of that stuff, can use their instruments as like ramming things. <laughs> and then at a certain point in the show, I think maybe it was the 50-yard line, gets lit on fire. Fantastic. Oh, and this whole thing, I think you're supposed to do naked. So you're also marching naked through this whole thing. Cool, And like it's another added element. Yeah, it was phenomenal. just like this continued riff that kept getting like more and more insane. It was a good time. <laughs> that does Just sound like silly. a good time. Memories from marching band. What a thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, and one one last note during this this nice casual interaction. Another sweet moment. Buffy wants to check the time, and so she leans over and grabs Scott's wrist to turn the watch so she can read it. So it's just like a really sweet, like, casual touch. I didn't notice like, that. Because, like, clearly they're still in, like, light kissing and stuff, but just so, like, that... You know, she could have just asked, but instead she just like grabs his wrist uh, to check his watch. And that was really some really cute casual touch. Yeah, that relates to that relates to I've, I have two other notes about this scene that relates to one of them. This um, so so Scott and Buffy kiss goodbye. Mm -hmm. OK, so clearly and then and then the like casual but intimate look at the watch. Mm -hmm. If I've kissed you, you can give me flowers. That's cool. I would push back so I, on the we're pre-posy. So I don't think it's about whether you can. I think it's where's the expectation. Oh, got it. I don't ever expect flowers, though. Well, I I'm, I really love flowers. And that was something that Hayden was really good about in the beginning when he was wooing me. And um, <clears throat> hasn't been great the last... Oh my Years. god! You should send That's him. The, you should. You should be like, "Hey, Hayden, will you listen to this episode, please?" Just for no reason. I'm really <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> I send him so many videos on Instagram that are clearly like, you know, these are you. These are things you could do, and he like never sees it. Um, <laughs> you could poke him though. Just like poke him. Tell him you I'm should get Allie flowers that. and a giant teddy bear for Valentine's Day. No, you tell him that you want. <laughs> but he should know by now. He knows I love flowers. I've I actually have verbally mentioned it many times. Like, hey, CVS sells like five dollar bouquets. And you could just do it because, like, not even because it's my birthday. Anyway, getting getting off topic, rating myself in. Um, yay, casual touch. Um, and I 
I think you have to feel, as far as flowers go, I think you have to feel out your person. Like, I kind of don't see Buffy as a flowers person anyway. I agree with that. Now, chocolates, I see going over very well. Yeah. Uh, but just, like, vibe feel, I I think she is at a point where she's, like, not expecting flowers. And also, she's not really your flowers gal. But I do, I do agree with you, like... Flowers are often something I feel like you show up with, like, on a first date or, like, a, your first official date or something like that. So I can see where there's different mm. different stances on flowers. Um, my other note here is a funny quote from Buffy. She says she's, she's talking about how she's on her way to see the school counselor. Um, Debbie has also seen the school counselor, so that'll come up. Um, she says... Yeah. I get to convince him I'm Little Miss Stable so I can stay in school. And I just thought that was funny. <laughs> yep, that was cute. So the next scene is Buffy going to the counselor's office, who, when he turns around, we find is Mr. Bosby from Sweet Life of, D- of Zack and Cody. I didn't know that, but... Oh, wait, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, mis- it's Mr. Bosby. And so, and he looks all young and hip with his hair a little longer and his kind of, he almost looks like he's in a retro 70s kind of outfit. Yeah, he is, yeah, he's playing the cool counselor here. Yeah, and he is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I wrote down a lot of these quotes. I'm not really going to read them, but the, uh, let's see, when she says- Yeah, I wonder if we have the same one. Buffy Summers reporting for Sanity. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she says, so the way he's like disarmingly honest is clearly mm-hmm. building trust with Buffy, how he's like, we're not going to be friends. Right, definitely. Like, my role is different. I liked that. But Buffy did say one thing that was just not true. She's like kind of recounting why she's there and like why she ran away and stuff. And she said, mm-hmm. my mom and I were fighting and I kind of freaked. That's not, that is, yep. that is a real yep. bastardization of what happened. Yeah. I So I wrote down the quote he had of uh, any person who claims to be totally sane is e- either lying or not very bright. Love that. True. Agreed. Double click. Um, and then he says, you know, she mentions this thing and, and she says, he says, tell me more about this guy. And I'm like, okay, Yes. But also, no, let's talk about your mom kicking you out of the house. Agrees. Yeah, the guy was not the operative part here to dig into more. Yeah. I mean, I get that, like, so often therapy is triaging. Um, Both of us have been very open, like, on this podcast that we are both in therapy. Um, So sometimes it is triaging. It's not always about, like, oh, what's the root problem? It's, like, what is occupying your brain space right now. And so I can see where like right now, what is troubling her the most is the boy stuff. So, but still, if I'm talking about like, why did I run away? And we're talking about like, all right, how do we solve this? Why make sure you don't run away again? I'm going to talk about my fucking mom who said, don't come back. Right. Yeah. If you go out that door, don't come back. Like that would be top of my head. But yeah, you, yeah, you make a good distinction about the, triaging she hasn't made clear though that that is what like he was the one that dug into that more right he said like all right let's talk about this guy because normally what you do is you just like brain word vomit to your to your person to your counselor to your therapist or whatever and then they go okay i'm gonna pick out this thing that you said so like i think she should have brought us brought up both the guy 
the bad breakup, uh, to put it lightly, as well as her mother. But given the information that he is given, I think he has really good, a good, really good response to it. I say this as a A plus counselor. I think so too. And I think most importantly, it was very much what Buffy needed. And you can kind of see the Definitely. relief on her face. Yeah. And I think it was really nice given just she hasn't had solid adult figures recently. I yeah. and maybe I say this I say this later. Oh, not too too much later, but I'm possibly re bitter about Dead Man's party because I just recently edited that episode. So to me, a lot of those feelings of like her not being supported at all are still very fresh. But to me, having a solid figure who was like, Mm-mm. like, okay, yeah, we're all a bit crazy, but like, that's understandable. And you're allowed to be like fixated mm. on a guy, but, you know, so like validating her while also like giving her new perspectives, I just was really really happy for her in this moment with this this counselor hmm yeah. May- and poor poor debbie who okay well we'll talk more about this later but poor debbie who clearly was not enjoying we i mean obviously from this interaction he's a great counselor so it's debbie probably just didn't like what he, she was hearing or didn't want to hear what she was hearing yeah yeah he he is right that the the therapist does occupy a different role that a lot of people aren't used to including yeah holding up kind of a mirror including to the parts that aren't super comfortable at the time yeah we're not ready to acknowledge yet yeah um so are you ready to leave the scene i am indeed wonderful so we are heading the scoobies are gathering in the library and i love buffy's outfit today She's in this lovely, like, satiny long skirt that's green with, like, some flowers. And she's in this pretty tank with this green mesh cardi. It's, like, lots of shades of green. It's very sweet. It's trending towards, like, what would be really popular today, like, cottage core kind of soft girl aesthetic. It's, it's really nice. Good for her. And I bet she's crushing it the entire time. Um, oh, yeah. The, so, okay, so they... Buffy kind of walks in and gets the news that they're pretty sure that Oz killed somebody the night before. And that's like mm-hmm. big bad news. Xander gets in a ton of trouble for falling asleep, as he should. And yep. they, this this seems like a huge plot hole to me. That their evidence that Oz was like clearly the one that killed somebody is that is that he was a werewolf last night, which is true and worthy of thinking. There was a body that was very, very, very mauled. Again, like true, good to be thinking. But, but they're they're like, oh, clearly it was Oz. It's because there's a window open. There's like one mm-hmm. window open. It's like, do you think so? So you're telling me he crawled, werewolf Oz crawled through the window, killed somebody, crawled back in, and like still and, yell at Xander and, and for shirking window, his duty and. Th- Yes, absolutely. But like the wind, so you're saying all of that happened and the window is still only partially open and there's nothing on the filing cabinet that's been disturbed. Yeah. There's like no other notice of a scuffle, which like you said, Werewolf Oz isn't going to be like super sneaky about it. Yes. So. If I were yeah, Oz, I'm, I would have been like, you. fuck you guys. Why would you assume that that was me? Right. Right. Don't. 
Can you put in a little more detective work? Right. A little bit more. Right. Can you try a little bit harder to clear my name? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, they weren't trying hard enough. Um, so Roz tries to do the whole storm off thing, which is adorable. Uh, and then uh, Willow's like, yeah, but it's, I would love to let you do that, but it's the sun setting soon. Uh, so he goes in the cage, uh, tells her to get away from the cage. It's going to happen soon. And that very much feels like me informing Hayden when I'm going to go quiet because I'm hangry and I don't want to <laughs> say something mean. Hayden, your options here are to give me a granola bar immediately or go right. into another room. I'm going to not talk until we've had our appetizer and a Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. so funny. Oh, Allie, that was good. That's going to be the audiogram right there. Oh, wonderful. Great. <laughs> Hashtag hangry. You wouldn't like me when I'm hangry. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay, it's, so, I know it's like cringy millennial stuff, but it's very true. It's true. It's it's just it's a thing. I'm better about managing it now, but it's still a thing. I'm not. I still haven't learned. I'll never learn. No Ugh. excuses. Improve yourself. Yeah. You're okay. Right. So fuck you. Um, Go to hell. Maybe I'm hangry right now. Is that why I just said that? No, actually, Allie, I had dinner before we started recording because I was like, Allie and I are going to end up talking for too long and I'm going to be hangry by the end of it. Eat dinner now. And I didn't. Boom. Good All right. Call. I'm done Good trying call. to improve myself. <laughs> um. Okay. So I have a note here. Yeah, I'd be stunned too, Buff. No. Oh, because oh, Buffy hears some. She's on patrol and she hears something in the bushes and she investigates thinking that maybe it's Oz and then when she sees it it's Angel and obviously understandably she just kind of stops uh yeah I'd be pretty fucking stunned too I would wonder if I was legitimately going crazy yeah 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 truly probably like the last it's like it's like both probably the last thing that she could have thought that it was going to be but also probably the thing that she hoped most that it would be so it's like sure. what a yeah what a mind fuck fuck but she's funk. never seen him in that state so it's not anything she like ever would have seen coming yeah uh yeah death's just absolutely opposite of probably what she was expecting i don't think any part of her would have considered that so very very strange um i can't gloss over this i will say feral angel found pants and socks at some point he had socks on too? Yep, he had socks on. I paused. I don't have like a foot thing. I just was curious. Interesting. Can you no, edit that that's, out? That is don't really interesting. Okay. Well, much like Xander earlier, if you hadn't brought up that that you don't have a foot thing, I wouldn't even thought about feet sexually. I would have just thought, thought like, so he put on pants I mean, pants people can have feet socks, thing. It's okay. I'm not like, I'm not shaming yeah. anybody. I'm just saying. We just I don't. don't. You know what? We don't, but Never that mind. Is really I deserve to be shamed. Keep this in. I, no, but you're right. It is interesting that, like, okay, he didn't put on a shirt, but he put on socks. He's feral, but not so feral he didn't put on socks. Yeah, that Very was, like, clearly so that, that I would he lust spent all of that over time him. in hell. He spent all of that time in hell, and, I don't know, maybe his shirt caught fire. Oh, no. But his pants were still pretty intact, and he still had socks on. 
Interesting. Well, no. When he came back at the end of last episode, we saw him drop down naked. You're right. Good catch. Good good reminder. So maybe it was a preservation thing like he got cold? No, I think they were just trying to make it not read it in C-17. Well, I meant socks-wise. Obviously, he had to have pants on. Yeah. I just meant socks-wise. That's a good... I... I am curious to do the mental gymnastics that we have to do to make this make sense canonically. Yeah, well, it was a preservation also, thing. You're right. Have you ever had cold feet? It's the worst. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And his he dropped down in an all-stone house. Yeah, yeah that'd I be cold I would be in socks, too. Walk around on Um Also, I mean, we can also, like, peek behind the curtain. It also might have been just an actor safety thing. I mean, socks aren't going to help a ton if you're barefoot in like foresty area, but it, it might help a bit. Oh, you're so right. So that I also might have just been though. actor comfort. Yeah. It might not even, even have to make sense. It was just, all right, you have your shirt off, but we'll let you have socks on. Right. Well, I'm glad they kept his shirt off. That was kind of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, duh. Um, so in fixing... Uh, the gang has gone, uh, Cordelia, Willow, and Xander have gone to the morgue to look at the body, see if they can find any, any ev- evidence um, linking or specifically not linking, hopefully, the body, uh, the mauling to Oz. Um, so it's been mauled. We don't really get to see it that well, um, but everyone is like horrified, gagging over it. And they're like, so Willow, does it? Does it look like it was by a werewolf? And she was like, they could be from anything. I mean, not anything. Like, also, Willow is supposed to be a tech genius, not biologist, not doctor, not pre-med. Like, so, yes, there's these scratches, but, like, I mean, is it scratches or is it teeth marks? Like, you can tell the difference between something that's, like, a claw mark versus, like, a bite. I still, yeah, yeah, true. So, yeah, they are making just Willow the the everything reasonably which is, intellectual. Which is common, and it's fine. But, like, I think anybody could tell the difference between a bite mark and, like, a scratch. Right. I, I have two thoughts. First of all, I still don't understand why we instantly assume that how many... How many monsters are there in Sunnydale? Why do y'all instant like? I don't know. I could be. A, it can be anything. It could be a lot of things, though. There's a lot of things that could be right. Then Cordelia right. has just this. It's like it could be anything. Like right. How yeah. about anything? Couldn't be anything. Yeah. Um. When Cordelia said, so Willow faints, which is very funny, and then Cordelia says, "Doesn't look good for Oz, does it? What? It looks fine for him. What are you talking about?" What? Well, I guess the idea is that, like, because she fainted, it was like a, like, she fainted because she saw something that was damning. Like, obviously, she wasn't fainting over, like, the sight of blood or something like that. Like, I think what they were trying to imply is that it was more, like, stress rather than, like, oh, no, blood. Ah." Her fainting is evidence for the fact that she thinks that it. Is basically confirmed. Right. Oz. Got it. Right. So it's a stress response, not. Got it. Else. Got it. That makes sense yeah. to me. Well, they're still, their detective work in this episode is not up to stuff. Shoddy at best. Because, yeah, basically, I mean, 
there's monsters all over Sunnydale, and Oz is a werewolf three nights out of the month of every month. There's gotta be overlap. Right. It's like when I tried to tell my parents about how my girlfriends and I were synced up on our periods, and my dad was like, there's only so many weeks out of the month. You're gonna overlap. It's Isn't not that, a, that no, that's a thing though. That happens, right? That's like a right. I have not done the research. Um, because I don't like research. I have a lack of curiosity. That's probably uh, not great. Um, but I feel like science would probably no, say Bruce, it's I'm a sorry. confirmation bias. No, Bruce. It's a confirmation no, I'm gonna bias. Push back. Yeah, but they're either true. There are only so many weeks in the month, but there's four of them. And like you're like a decent portion of your close friend group is all on their period at the same time. That to me seems right. like right, but that's but it's you're it's not like you're all starting on Tuesday and ending the following Monday. It's like, oh, just got my period. It's Wednesday. Oh yeah, I started on Sunday. Like, oh my God, we're synced up. Like it is not like we all wake up with it on the same day and it tapers off the last day. Like some women have a five day period. Some women have an eight day period. Like it varies greatly. So it really is when people are like feeling like they're synced up. It's like you're overlapped. Hmm. It's not actually starting and ending at the same time. That's valuable insight. I am so glad that <laughs> I am not a woman. Yeah, it sucks. It it fucking sucks. If you've never seen uh, Nicholas as well as our our listeners, if you've never seen the movie No Strings Attached, starring Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, um, a it's one of my absolute favorite romantic comedies. It's a good movie. Uh, B it has one of my very 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 favorite cinematic depictions of periods. It's fantastic, and just the quote I'll leave you all with is. It's like a crime scene in my pants. Wow, I really hate that very much. Can we move on, please? And and that was and that was I know I'm supposed to be the one keeping us on track. Too bad. Uh, and that line <laughs> was spoken by the now renowned director Greta Gerwig. Oh, that's actually a fun fact. I'm glad you say that. There you go. And Allie, you are supposed <laughs> to. You're not. There isn't a track to keep. You're just keeping us moving. Okay, you are the driver, okay. so you get to decide how okay. it goes. Woo-hoo! Cool. Well, I like stopping at Miniature America on the drive home. Um, so, uh, Buffy, we see this. So, the next scene, we see that Buffy has either followed him or led Angel back to the, his mansion. Um, we see her dust off a, um, a trunk and pull out some chains. Clearly, I guess Drew and Spike left in a hurry. Uh, cause that's all Drew stuff. Yeah. This came up Very in clearly. the, um, in the, in the Reddit commentary, somebody hypothesized that. So it is definitely Drew's stuff. Cause you see dolls. If Obviously, you go all very the dolls. slowly. Yeah. Um, I had missed it until I read it and was like, oh yeah. Um, somebody was like, oh, Drew and Spike were into some freaky stuff that there's like chains in with all the dolls and her personal things. So. Yep. Oh, obviously. When she was, like, torturing slash, like, making moves on Angel, she was, like, burning him and stuff. Yeah. Obviously. I don't think that's even, like, news to report. Like, water is wet. Spike and Drew liked kinky shit. I think the, like, jump, though, that, like, 
these are chains. She kept that, it with her dolls. Yeah, and like these are I don't know. I I like Buffy headcanon stuff. It's good. But yeah, yeah, it looks like they both were That's what into- I'm saying. It makes so much sense. I don't even think it is headcanon. I think that's just like obviously true. <laughs> I think it just makes it, it makes perfect sense to me knowing Drew that like, oh, what do you have in your trunk? You have more dolls, you have some candles, you have your chains. You have some chains. Like, that doesn't that doesn't surprise oh, me no, at maybe all. Maybe some bird food. She likes. Oh no, not bird food. She okay. didn't feed the birds. That's why they kept dying. She keeps killing them. Yeah, Allie, I love doing this podcast with you. Okay, keep going. That should be the audiogram. Just that really, really quick audiogram. <laughs> um, so next scene, we're in the library. Faith is on Oz duty, and she is jamming out to a Walkman. Ah, uh, the rowback. I was attached to my my Walkman. I was so glued. I've always been a music lover. I love that fucking Walkman. The over-the-head headphones. Like, not like the mm-hmm. cool ones that we have on. Cool ones. I'm using that term very generously. But, you the know. The big over-the-ear ones. The, uh, yeah, her, her over-the-head headphones through me. Yeah. So Buffy comes in. She is very rest. She's been restless with all this, like, angel stuff. So she can't sleep. She relieves Faith, Faith goes home. Buffy uh, digs out some books. She wants to do some research. And she is found the next morning by Giles. She fell asleep while reading. Um, so does Sunnydale just, like, not have custodians? Yeah, how is there, like, a literal werewolf just chilling overnight? And, like, the next day, too, when Giles... A literal person. Yeah, when Giles walks in... And, like, opens the cage. There's, like, presumably a mm-hmm. naked student just laying, like, mm-hmm. on a cage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, do they just... And and it, once you think about that, you think about, like, all of the late night shenanigans yep. going on at that school. And they, like... The only time we've run into a custodian was I only have eyes for you. Yeah. When he kills the teacher. Yeah. So, I, like... I don't know. I feel like I want some kind of like deleted scene, cutting room floor thing of like Giles getting buddy buddy and like slipping him a 50 or. Yeah, don't come uh, to the library at night. Just don't do it. Like a nice bottle of brandy. Yeah, I'll clean it myself. You're good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'll empty (laughs) our trash. It's fine. That's funny. Yeah. I do like that that Giles has interrupted Buffy sleeping, which she's technically not supposed to be doing because she's supposed to be watching Oz. But I like the I like the disproportionate reaction to like Xander who has no fucking excuse whatsoever. And okay. Buffy who is like, oh, you were doing research, you were reading, also you like routinely save the world on a regular basis. We'll let it you it's okay that this just happened. Well and I think I think it was probably also like I mean the first thing he did when he walked in was see that Oz was still there, which Oz was still there when Xander woke up the the, the previous night. Um, and again, it goes back to, like, the lack of evidence of last time. It's like, well, clearly everything looks fine. He didn't come back in dripping with blood on his mouth. Yeah. Covered yeah. in blood. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, yeah, I it makes that first scene not make sense. But it makes this scene make sense where it's like, well, things are clearly in order. She fell asleep researching. Yeah, I this conversation is interesting to me. Uh, just the like partial amount of information she gives. 
again, be going back to how unsupportive they have been this season, I, t- I do get her not immediately. T- like, of course, my gut instinct is like, tell everybody Angel's back. Like, just communicate. But given this season and how shitty they've been to her, I get it. Yeah, I hadn't I thought about it that either. way. Yeah, you're right. She is. Yeah, you're right. Like literally two episodes ago, they like lit everybody around her fails her multiple times. So I do understand why she doesn't divulge the fact. Like she's kind of talking around the point. She doesn't. She says yeah, she had she a, dream a dream about dream Angel. Instead. Yeah, and she doesn't yeah. say that she literally just ran into him. But um, I like that. Like there's some good like dad energy coming from Giles here mm-hmm. where he's like, yeah, like that makes sense. When Jenny first died, I dreamed that she was back too. And like he's being really helpful and kind of like indulging her about like what Angel might have gone through, or what he might have been like if he did mm-hmm. come back, like just based like purely yeah. in, in hypotheticals. And it's just nice that he's like indulging her in this. Right. He doesn't he he follows her down. But like, what if instead of just like dismissing it, like, oh, it's a dream. You shouldn't move on. Yeah. And I like to this. That was nice. This quote that's going to be like a theme from this episode. He says, "Um, in my experience, there are two types of monsters. The first can be redeemed or more importantly, wants to be redeemed. The second is void of humanity. Mm, Yeah, that is is pretty much the essence of this of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So then Willow comes in with donuts. And I just realized how long it's been since I've had a donut. And I was just like, fuck. I would fuck up some Boston, Boston creams right now. Oh, my God. I love Boston creams, yeah. too. Yeah. I love that. And, yeah, so they're all like, okay, shut up about the donuts. Like, what did you find? She's like, well, it was inconclusive. And then. Buffy gets frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because he Oz comes back and he's like, "Hey, I'm right here." Yeah, what what follows that remind me, despite having seen it today. So Willow, yeah, she's talking about what happened in the morgue, and she doesn't have like super solid answers. And Buffy is like, okay. "How do you not have solid answers? I don't understand." And Giles interrupts and is like, "Let her finish what she was saying." And <laughs> like Buffy is clearly pissed because she wants to know if it was Angel who did it and not right, right, Oz. right, 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 and, right. But she like doesn't clue them in on that. Okay. Yeah, so she ends up uh, backing off. Willow says it was inconclusive. Uh, she's next in the cafeteria. She joins her boyfriend and as well as Debbie and Pete. Pete has this funny quote because they're they're talking about Buffy's session with the counselor. Says he really liked. It. She actually kind of liked him. She was and Debbie says something like, "Ah, well, just make sure he doesn't like try to make you start a journal or a diary." And Pete says something like, uh, dear, dear diary, Ken hasn't come around since he got that earring. And now that line is even funnier because I now know about earring magic Ken, who was discontinued because they designed his outfit based off of gay club attire. Yeah. And he literally (laughs) had a cock ring around as like as his as his necklace. Oh, so, I didn't know that uh, one. That's funny. Oh, yeah. So the the earring magic Ken, we meet him in the bar in the Barbie movie, was discontinued because he had this necklace that was like this big ring. And Whoa! apparently I just Googled it. Yeah. Yes. This it's is a the designers. Ring. 
Yes. Well, so so the designers were looking to make like a new bar, a new Ken or whatever, and they just started looking at club fashion, but were unknowingly <laughs> looking at gay club fashion. And so they just put this ri- this ring necklace on him, not knowing that it was a fucking cock ring. Or maybe they did know, but whatever. So it like sold out for the completely wrong reasons, because I guess, I'm sure, the oh, that LGBT community hilarious. was like, this is hysterical. And so all the wrong people were buying the the Ken, and he was pretty quickly uh, discontinued. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, man. Yeah, all the Barbies and Kens mentioned in the Barbie movie, when they named them, like, specifically by name, are real former Barbies and Kens that were sold. Absolutely incredible. Yep. Do you have this adorable Scott quote, or should I say it? I have a th- I have two adorable quotes from Scott. Actually, I'm going to read. You have the one that I didn't write down. I'm going to read the one that okay. I found adorable. Um, so okay. when Buffy first sits down, it's just with a tray of like garbage, and he goes, I can't back <laughs> you on that lunch. And <laughs> I like the kind boyfriend thing. Yeah, Go ahead with, with his other adorable sweet. quote, though. It, yeah, I do. I did love that because it's very like you care about your partner. Um, and she mentions that she's in sleep well. And there's a lull in the conversation. And Scott turns to Buffy and says, I wanted to tell you that you look great today. But now I want to raise that to amazing because you didn't sleep well. So wound. And she gets real wigged by it. She does not like. Yeah, she's like spooked by it. She's like, that totally. was so kind of him. And I can't handle it. Yeah, it's. I've definitely had moments like that when I'm upset and I'm like, no one say say anything nice or hug me or I swear to God, I'll fall to pieces. <laughs> and of course, because like she's just she's got so much going on. And again, like that's why I end up defending Scott, because Scott is doing everything right. Yeah, he is. She just has she just has too much going on. Wrong place, wrong time. She, yeah. That she couldn't possibly tell him. Because the whole point is that he's normal. Yeah. But that's the downside of being normal is that she can't share anything if she wants to keep it normal. Right. The only other note I have about this scene is I think I think part of the point of it is to show that Pete's a real asshole. Um, he has the, like, nasty gay comment, and then he makes a nasty mm-hmm. comment to Scott about his mom. And then yeah. there's this, like... There's this look that he gives Debbie. So Debbie is first like, yeah, I don't really like the guy. And Buffy's like, oh, I kind of did. And then Debbie's Debbie's kind of like, she goes back on that a little bit and says something nice about him. And Pete just like, it's like quick. And maybe I just knew what to look for because I know how the episode goes. But it was like, oh, this guy is not. Uh, there's something else yeah. here. Yeah, I, again, it's been so long since this has been a fresh episode, so it was hard to know, like, if I got bad vibes from him because I know where it's going or if he just, like, kind of comes comes off like a douche no matter what. He just kind of comes off as that, like, jerk friend who, like, everyone knows is a jerk, but, like, it's high school, so you still keep hanging out with him. Yeah. Like, not so awful. Like, he's not literally beating you up, so, like, you can't, like, he's just, he's still a friend. Yeah, that's what he comes off as. And, of course, we know it's even more than that. Uh, Yeah, total asshole vibes. So Buffy's very upset. She bails. She goes right to the counselor's office and is clearly about to, like, unburden herself. Poor thing. And then she sees that, like, he's weirdly still 
she clocks that his cigarette has like entirely burned down to the bottom. And then the camera reverses and we see his face is like totally mauled. And our poor buff can't catch a fucking break. I know, right? Whenever somebody finally, yeah, I feel so bad for her. Yeah. Yeah, just. Ugh. And she had Someone started I- to be. She she like walked in and she was like, okay, stay turned around. Don't look at me. Don't say anything. And she's like really yeah. opening up and starting to yep. talk about all the trauma she's been through. And then the guy's yep. fucking murdered. Like, oh, man. Right. Yeah, she can't catch right. a fucking break. You're right. Like someone who she actually was about to trust and right. who probably would have handled her shit pretty well would have been cool and. I, I mean, I still think she would have talked around and wouldn't have been like, so I'm a vampire slayer. Demons are real. But I think she would have found a way to be like even more honest than that. And I think that talk about how he's back in town and there's stuff I'm dealing with. And maybe one of our listeners who's a therapist can weigh in. I know that I have I have said some pretty crazy shit to my therapist before. I have never said I'm a vampire slayer. But I bet the therapists have heard some stuff. I would be very curious if it is the strangest thing a therapist has heard from their client for the client to be like, yeah, I'm a vampire slayer. There's evil in the world. Well, it's just that it, yeah, I think it depends on like how specific she got because it could potentially cross a line into her talking about crimes. You can talk about crimes. You can't talk about, you can't talk about getting ready to- Potential crimes. No, you can talk about potential crimes, too. Yeah, you can't talk about going to hurt somebody or yourself. But but if I told my therapist, yeah, I'm going to go. But if she's saying that I am a vampire slayer every night, I go out and hunt vampires. Well, yeah. So that's where. Isn't that talking about going to commit a crime? Because Um, if if you're a sane human being, an unenlightened human being with in this universe, if she's like slaying vampires, she's just slaying human beings. You're correct. Yeah, so, yeah, you can't say that. But if I told my therapist I'm going to go and shoplift, my therapist is not going to do Right, but that's not the that. kind of crime she's going to talk about. Right. So no, but you first, said, you first said talking about crimes. You can talk about committing crimes. You can't talk about hurting anybody. Right, because, yeah, I hadn't finished the thought. I was going to get to the, like, he'll think that she's talking about being a serial killer and not, like, actually killing <laughs> demons. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. and then, I mean... If he then told her about it, then that would be fine because she knows. But yeah, it just like it would really she would have to be careful about how she's how she talked about it. Because, yeah, talking about delusions, fine. Or like if you're just like having visions of seeing demons and stuff, that's fine. But if you're talking about how last night you staked three vampires, like it yeah, might that start would... getting to hinky like, ooh, did she just confess to being a serial killer? Yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you'd probably get some, you'd probably be detained for that. Yeah, you can't do that. Quite possibly. Um, Especially with her violent history of like being involved in fights and stuff. Well, probably not, wouldn't look to, not. We'll never know, anyways, because the second somebody was nice to her, yeah, they got killed, of course. Yeah. Because it also, I also, he, I got a vibe from him that, again, parallel universe where he didn't die. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if this is a guy who was enlightened, mm. was aware. Mm. I could see that. 
Oh, that is like, very interesting, Allie. Right? Oh, Maybe yeah. Maybe get some prequel shit. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just get that vibe of like, this is a guy who, who knows what's up. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think you're right. Man, okay. That's yeah. fan fiction that needs to be written. Cool. Right? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, so the next scene, we see Debbie and Pete. Pete coaxes her into some kind of storage room so they can make out. Pete notices that the glowing green uh, mason jar is mostly empty. Starts getting pissed. Starts being abusive. Pretty standard abusive talk. Why do you piss me off? Why do you get me this way? You know how I get. Blame, 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 blame. Um, and my note here is just, I really like to think episodes like this saved some people from abusive relationships later in life. Mm. I, I like to think. Or, you know, or helped people be a little more aware of some warning signs. Because um, as far as uh, Buffyverse metaphors go, this one's not. This is very thinly veiled. Like, yeah, this is not subtle not, at all. Not yeah. really subtle because I mean, this. I mean, his green liquid could be steroids, could be alcohol, any kind of like. You're not yourself when you're on this drug. You know how you get, kind of thing. And then when he says, "I don't even need it anymore," then it's just like full on, like, yeah, he's just abusive. Yeah, the things that he says are horrible, awful. Yes. Like, yes. Wow. Like, it was hard to yeah. watch. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sort of following this, I think Debbie gets um, a really unfair deal. I That's um, going to come up in my about, hot take section. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I like to think, and um, listeners, if you or if you know anybody who this episode maybe helped you be on your toes a bit more or helped you sidestep a situation. I would love to hear about that. That'd be really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I like to think it gave somebody some some life's lessons um, that they were able to recognize that kind of situation um, so that they were maybe able to either handle it better or avoid it in their own life. That'd be nice. I think there's still like a, um, okay, what he did is patently abusive there's no gray area to it like correct just time and and it's not just the fact that he hit her that was abusive. he was he was like black and white abusive territory long before that i do think yep, there is possessive like and there's a there's a like a there's like a gray zone of abusive mm -hmm. before that that i feel yes. like is still really hard to capture and i haven't seen i haven't seen a type of media that does that great but i guess that's the like insidiousness mm -hmm of that gray area is that it isn't always super clear until you're like removed from it Definitely. and you can look back and be like, wow, that was really messed up. I don't know. Yeah. Well, cause I, cause you know, it never, it's never your second date and they hit you. They work up to it. Right. They, you know, manipulate is going to manipulate. Um, but and they may never even hit you some... and they're still abusive. Right. Right. Oh yes, absolutely. But there was some, some great phrases in that scene that he uses that could have been, plugged in somewhere else that didn't involve physical contact. Mm, mm -hmm. Like the, you, you know how I get, why do you make me this way? Like, you know you shouldn't make me mad. Yeah, yeah, right, you're right. Like that kind of language and like the very, very quick turn to go from 
yelling to like baby and like the softness and stuff. So like there are some of those that, I mean, even I started to recognize Mm -hmm. from my previous relationship, like that, just that very quick turn, making it your fault, Mm. all that kind of stuff that, yeah, like you said, that stuff comes long before long before that stuff and her saying like i can change him and like i you know he loves me he only gets this way because he loves me so much Mm -hmm. i think maybe having some of that lingo just swirled in your brain Mm. is is just potentially potentially helpful because i mean and that is the the hard part when it is entirely emotionally manipulative then that's so much harder to put your finger on and takes so much longer to recognize yeah yeah, you're right. I do hope that this brought some clarity to somebody at some point. It had to have. Yeah, right? Uh, also, yeah. just the Even image just... of her comforting him at the end of it, too. Uh, I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yeah. that is, And that is yeah. how that always uh-huh. happens, too. Yeah. Yep. I, feel like both, I feel like both of us felt that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, how did Pretty I get personally. to this position? Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Here why I am. does this yeah. feel so familiar? Right. Like, yeah. Why does this scene hit hard? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <sighs> All right. Men are trash. Men are trash. <laughs> Men are trash. Exceptions, not the rules. Um, I'll even okay, we can so, we can make it a rule, and I will claim being trash too. That's fine. I will if that's what needs to happen. Sure, I'll be trash too. But like, I will. I want it. I will. I want everybody to know men are trash. Okay, keep going. Sorry, yeah, Allie. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so next, uh, the crew is gathering in the library because another victim has been found, but it happened during the daytime. So that clears Oz. Yay. And then this is when they start to put together that all of the victims, the common factor is Debbie. And so they're, they ask Oz, they're like, hey, well, you were in band with them, like, did they did that the first victim and Debbie actually have a thing? And he says, I don't think so, but he hit her music comp book once. It's just like <laughs> grasping at straws of like, I, I mean, they knew each other. I don't, it was just like a, such a random, like, he hit her, no, he stole her water bottle once. I don't know. Oh, dirty, dirty stuff. Yep. It's just so, yeah, just try, just a home record. Right. Stealing notebooks. <laughs> so uh, the gang splits up to go find find Debbie and Pete, one either one or both. And this is where it gets into uh, victim blame territory, which I'm just going to say, totally not okay. Buffy and Willow find Debbie, and and it's not even quite so much. Well, it is a bit of like what they actually say, but it's also how Buffy says it. Buffy's voice, tone, total demeanor is accusatory and of, and on the offense. It is offensive. Uh, she says, it's tricky covering a fresh shiner like that. You know what works? Don't get hit. Whoa. Yeah, girl. Pre-K pause. No. Pre-K pause. <laughs> I love that guy. So that's a, I, yeah, he's, he's cool. adorable. I figured you you knew him. Yeah, pre-K pause. Um, that is victim. Just by the way, language. too, if you look him up on Instagram, he's like buff and really hot too. Yes. Oh yeah, I've seen those when he's not <sighs> just ta- not just in his car talking about his students. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, sorry. He's, keep going. He's keep quite going. A, Back to quite victim a blaming. Handsome guy. Yeah, because it's just like we know that Pete is the perpetrator. It's not. I mean, if anything, she's like covering up, but that does not make her also a a perpetrator herself. She's she's literally covering up a black eye. Right, Guys. actively, actively, like in front of you right now. Yeah, I get, yeah. and um, Buffy kind of makes this point. So if there is any grace to be given, it's it's about it's about this point. Like the point she's making is like, listen, somebody else is about to die. Two people are dead. Somebody else is about to die. We need to. Can you can you repeat what you just said? Um, you paused here for a second. So um, yeah, start back to where you were saying. Sorry, you, uh, if yeah, there's you any grace to too. be given. Um, if there's any grace to be given, it's when Buffy is is getting at the idea that like we don't have time to you need to tell us this because people are literally right. gonna die. But but also even like even while I understand that Buffy is gonna be less supportive because she has these other competing imminent priorities, if Buffy mm-hmm. was a little bit more responsive and didn't go on the offense right away, she would have had she better might've... luck at getting the information she right. needed. Yeah, um, I have one other quote, but I had another in defense of Buffy, just the like extrapolating. I do think this is another moment of she's not angry at Debbie. She's angry at herself. Mm. You know, she hesitated killing, killing Angel. She made excuses. She, you know, mm. tried to fix it. All, you know, all that stuff. I think she's seeing too much of herself. Not giving her, obviously, she's being really hard on us, on herself. She was always hard on herself about the Angela situation. I I think that is an explanation, not an excuse. Yeah. Um, I think that is possibly what was fueling those emotions, but uh, still not okay for you to come down so hard and to literally say, if you want to avoid a black guy, don't get hit. Yeah, don't get hit. No. Oh my god. No. Oh my god. And again. Yeah. Again, this this definitely comes to blaming the writers, not blaming the character. Yeah. Um, that should absolutely not have been said. It's not a, oh, things were different back then. Like, no, that shouldn't have been said ever. Right. Never. I feel like someone should have, someone in the writer's room should have been like, ah, praise it differently. Right. I don't know. <laughs> There's, in episode one of this season, when she says to Lily... You can't just run away from your problem. Like, it feels like Mm -hmm. kind of similar to that where it's like, oh, Buffy, there's some projection happening. I need you to, we're going to need to handle that. All right. Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes Mm -hmm. to domestic violence. Awareness. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I get having those feelings uh, don't quite back uh, how you dealt with it. There was a kind of, and again, tone being everything. There was another quote in this that I, I did like. Because uh, Debbie says, I didn't ask for your help. And Willow very gently says, well, when are you going to? Yeah. If Pete kills you, it'll pretty, it'll pretty much be too late. I had so that. I thought that was a good quote. I, yeah, I wrote down that quote too. And, and earlier in this exchange, there's a moment where Buffy's like going way too hard. And like the camera pans over to Willow. And Willow looks so filled with sympathy. Like they have like a good cop, bad cop thing going on when in a situation like this, you just need two good cops, but whatever. Willow is doing the good cop thing very well. Right. Yeah. This would also be a situation where it could have been a teaching moment if there was a moment of like Willow 
telling Buffy to back off. Yeah. Yep. Like that could have been a nice like moment of keeping you each other in check. This is going to come up in my hot take. This like this idea like we're kind of making this episode is kind of a PSA about domestic violence, but they don't go all the way with it. Okay. Because you're right, like, if they had been leaning into, like, PSA about domestic violence, that's what this episode is about, then, yeah, that's what they would have done. But they kind of yeah. didn't do it, so then some harmful yeah. stuff happened. Right. I was expecting to, to defend this episode more, because uh, this, this is a scene that I had not noticed before, mm. um, had not struck this chord with me before. Um, cause I mean, and we've talked about this, like this isn't a very enjoyable episode. Uh, so it's not like one I would have like gone to rewatch all the time, despite watching the season a lot. Um, so yeah, this is definitely a scene that struck me a very different way and it once did. Yeah. And then one last quote I wrote down for this scene, uh, Debbie starts, um, going slightly catatonic. She's just repeating, uh, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And Willow says, I think she was broken before this. No, yeah. I hated oh, this oh, line. Oh, 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 Willow says, I think we broke her. And Buffy says, I think she was broken before this. Oh, oh my, my God. Me, oh, my God. Like, yeah. No. We could have so done that bad. line. Like, why did she not say, like, something about Pete? Why did she say, she, right. Debbie is not broken. Right. She's people going through abusive situations are not broken. Oh my you are, god! You are not. You are not broken. It is never your fault. Uh, it is. It is not your fault if you stay in. It is not your fault if it takes longer than you wish it did to get out. It is. It is not your fault. You are the victim. That's it. Period. End of story. Uh, yeah, just yeah. making our stance on that very clear. Um, normally, again, we are on the defense of the show. This was incorrect. No, not there. And and that like to really your bad. point you raised earlier too, like this isn't just like a 2023-4 look back. This is like, even then, that was fucked up to say. Right. This was too many men in the writer's room. Yeah. Yeah. Too many of the wrong men in the writer's room. Yeah. Uh, making assumptions. But uh, Jana Spenson, where were you? Um, probably should have spoken up a bit. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. I love you, Jana Spenson. You've done incredible work. And uh, I bet you were talked over a lot. That would be my guess. Anywho. So. Uh, uh, so it seems like uh, Pete is about to kill yep. Debbie. Mm -mm. We find out later that he, he does indeed. Pete's about uh, to kill Oz. He goes, yes. Yeah, and so he, he goes to find Oz, finds him in the library, opens the the, the cage, uh, gives him a couple good snacks. But as Oz is like, ah, you really shouldn't, really shouldn't do this, sunsets, and it's pretty great. Do you have this quote written down from him when the sun sets? Mm -mm, I mm -hmm. thought this was a badass Oz quote. He goes... So the sun is setting, and Oz goes, mm -hmm. time's up. Rules change. Yes, I almost wrote that down. I did really like it. That was a really awesome moment. And I, I continue to appreciate Seth Green's performance again and again, because in years since, he has been, I, I mean, 99% a comedic actor. Mm. 
Um, which I guess, I mean, a different kind of comedic actor. Because I would still say in this, like, he's a comedic character. But it's all because he's playing it straight. Because he's saying mm. it as a grounded character. And that all comes off as funny. Um, he's really great at that. That was excellent analysis, Allie. Yeah. BFA. Well, well, part of it is because I heard in an interview with Seth Green, they were talking about when he got the first Austin Powers movie or the second Austin Powers movie, whatever, whichever movie he's first in. Um, and they were saying, he said he, he got that role because he played it so differently from everybody else because everybody else who came, came into the audition played it jokey, played it comedic, but he had just come off of a play. And so he was like, well, what if I just treated this very seriously, like a damaged child of divorce, like who's mad at his dad? Like, this is all serious and grounded. And so that's how he got cast as Scott Evil in uh, in the Austin Powers movies, because he approached it as a straight, grounded character. Uh, so I definitely noticed that same kind of approach to the character of him as Oz. Because, yeah, you you could see this being over-the-top, like, chill stoner bro. And that would have been not funny at all. It would have just been, like, stupid and cliche. I am sure that's a very interesting um, tidbit that you just shared. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, yeah. I'm thrilled a great that interview. he um, did this character the way he did. Too. And I had the thought during um, this fight scene between Pete and Werewolf Oz. I was like, I wonder if that's actually Seth Green in the suit. So uh, Reddit says it is a stunt guy. Um, there's like four different phases of him shifting. And I think it's him in the first, I think it's Seth Green in the first couple. But once it's like full on wolf, it's a stunt guy in a suit. Oh, neat. So there you go. Thanks, Reddit. Thanks, Reddit. So Buffy comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Buffy Buffy comes in, breaks up the fight. Pete runs off. Buffy follows, and she does a superhero jump off the off that big ledge. But she has a very normal landing. This is before. This is clearly before Hollywood started doing these superhero like dramatic three point stand and then like dramatic look up. Oh yeah. Just see Black Widow in Marvel, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking yeah, about with yeah. the superhero landing. Uh, no, she has a very normal landing, which is cool. Uh, chases him to the warehouse, follows follows him. Fight ensues. Uh, stop me if you've got notes. So and um, right, so like there's like this clip in right after Buffy has landed where. Pete is back in that lab with Debbie and there's another awful, awful, awful scene between the two of them where Debbie is like hugging him and was like, like right before this too, um, Debbie had stopped Buffy from shooting Pete with the Trank gun. Mm -hmm. And and Debbie's like, did you see what I did for you? I stopped it. And and Mm -hmm. he says more just like horrible things to her. But then Buffy comes in and uh, Buffy discovers that Debbie is dead. Yes, and that's she when Pete was, comes up and yeah, and so they and so they fight. Uh, he we've had the, we've talked about this before that sometimes it seems like Buffy's strength is a little inconsistent. Sometimes it's like when it's 
this it's convenient for the story almost that like oh she can't lift this chandelier wall, table yeah, or right. whatever chandelier uh and like, but she just snapped off a handle yeah um so she does seem to struggle a bit with pete i am confident she would have won in the end uh but while she is on the ground angel lunges in uh and very very brutally uh snaps his neck yeah and then we get the Reddit thought, and this was an interesting thing to me, um, I think that Buffy potentially would have struggled killing Pete because he is technically a human. And mm -hmm. I think he's like a human who deserves to have his neck snapped in the way that Angel did it. But um, mm -hmm. but that was like an interesting way to think about like why she didn't. Because, yeah, she's taken on tougher fights than pete before so what was yeah that about? That's a, and that's a good point that maybe there was some some hesitation there from her this is almost where some elements that have been dropped into the show in this season and previous seasons could have come back which I, and i and i get sometimes like you can't follow every thread but if we remember an out of mind out of sight the girl who's invis invisible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm ends up in a school, essentially in like a government program for invisible people. And then there's also been a couple times where we see that Snyder knows something. He knows that there's stuff that's that the city is covering up. He knows about, if not everything, he knows something. So if there had been more communication, there's kind of like an alternate universe where she could have restrained him and maybe some court, some sort of program could have like weaned him off of mm. his the steroid potion, whatever that he was taking, um, or could have studied him to see if like that was a permanent mm. issue. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I mean, he still would have hopefully then been arrested and probably tried as an adult. Yeah, who knows where that storyline Judici judicial down. system? Yeah, yeah. Is but he redeemable? Yeah, I, I like, bet he might be redeemable. Who knows? I don't know. Are his people redeemed? I don't know. Eh, that's, eh. A, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to get into it. My, an my answer ends up being sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I like that. Case by um, case basis. My other note about this scene that I like is when, so Angel has successfully dispatched Pete, and then he just, mm -hmm. like, gets on his knees and sobs into Buffy, and, mm -hmm. like, she also starts crying. Like, I just think this moment between the two of them is so powerful oh yeah it, it is a really beautiful moment because you can see the conflict in buffy uh you know the a million emotions emotions and memories at once that she must be feeling yeah just oh so so much confusion the fact that she was able to like that she handled it as much as she did I, i'm sure there was a lot of like numbness shock because i because she you know the fact that he humanized so quickly, she, I, you know, she probably thought he was always going to be that way. Uh, and so now it's like, well, he's devamped, devamped faced, and he spoke, mm. remembers her, recognized her. He just saved her. her. Yeah. Right. When she may not have needed to be saved, but still he saved her. Yeah. But still, he wasn't like on all fours roaming around town, biting people. He escaped and went to her yep. and saved her and didn't then go attack her. So definitely like a lot more humanity still in there than she was expecting. And like, he is clearly still soul restored 
angel, still angel, not angelus. Um, so just like lots of complicated stuff. Poor yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, we see her. I think we end the episode with her just like kind of watching him at the mansion. Um, right before that, there's a scene like kind of the next day. It's just recap. I we don't need to spend oh, right, much right, time right, on right, it. Right. I did want to call out with at her least and Scott. Yeah, at least one quote though. Yeah, so she's first talking with like Willow and the gang, and they're kind of debriefing, and they call back. Like it turns out that Pete didn't need the potion after a while. He was just a bad guy, and I think that's an interesting callback to Giles' quote earlier. And okay. Buffy sees Scott sitting alone, and she walks over to him. I'm going to read this quote, and then I'm going to tell you why it's meaningful for me. Um, she said, I don't know what to say that's not going to sound stupid or obvious. And okay. Allie, I don't know if you remember this, but when uh, listeners, I think I've talked on here about how several years ago I lost my nephew to brain cancer, and people say all sorts of things when you're grieving, some of them helpful, some of them not helpful at all. But Allie <laughs> said one of the most helpful things that anybody said. I think you just said something along the lines of, I don't know what to say, but I'm sorry and I love you. And that was just like, that was so healing for me in that moment. And I have to imagine how healing that was for Scott yeah. there. To have, like, nobody come in with any sort of, like, wisdom or anything or try to right. make things better. Just, like, oh, yeah. man, this sucks. I did love that. And I do I do remember saying something to that effect. And I did also sort of make a point to at least people that I, I cared about having meaningful interactions with uh, when talking about stuff about my dad this past year. Being like, I release you from finding something right or good or helpful to say like this There's sucks nothing. you yeah. don't yeah yeah you don't have to find something good to say because the thing that i've kept running into when shit hits the fan is like the people who will go out of their way to say like i'm here for you if you need anything for the most part you already knew that hmm. like i didn't need you to say like i love you and i'm here for you like bitch i know you are if you said something otherwise i would have been shocked like Obviously, you are here for me. Anything else would have been ludicrous to hear from you. With my dad stuff, there were some people who were surprisingly there for me that I did not expect, and that was really appreciated. But so, yeah, I think there are times that we think that we have to, like, be eloquent or we can't acknowledge the elephant in the room. But I think it's so much more helpful. Girl. I think it's so much. Yeah, this must be Hayden getting home. Um, I just think it's so much more helpful just like acknowledge it of like, I have nothing to say. There is nothing I could say. Yeah. I think that's so much more human. And, and, and in, in the end, like you said, so much more helpful. Yeah. Well, you did it. Yay. Yay, Allie and yay, Buffy. You're like Buffy. How about you? Yay, besties. Uh-huh. Well, that's my goal. Yeah. So uh, let's get into trivia and hot takes. Okay. I'll be quick on the trivia. I know we're almost at time here. Um, so when Willow is in the morgue doing her little thing... She has a little lunchbox with her. It's a Scooby-Doo lunchbox, which I think <laughs> is a hilarious through line that's kind of through this, through the Scoobies, and she's worn Scooby that. shirts before. Yeah. Super there cute. Was, there was part of a dialogue that was cut that I think people are going to have mixed feelings about it. I think it's hilarious. So Scott is advising Buffy before she visits the counselor. Um, the lines are, Scott says, stable. Okay, topics to avoid, the little men that live in your teeth, your compulsion to paint circus clowns, and then Buffy says, 
Buffy says, but if God keeps telling me to kill, it just seems so snotty not to, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I can see why they cut it. Yeah. I'm with you. I I think they should have kept it. That's hilarious. Or they could have cut Buffy's line but kept Scott's lines. Right. Because those are funny. I think that is some adorable banter that would have not progressed, developed their relationship more. I agree with you. That's so funny. So this is the second teacher who is nice to Buffy who's been killed by the monster of the week. The other is Dr. Gregory from Teacher's Pet. So poor Buffy. Mm -hmm. And then my last thing is um, after its original airing, a PSA about domestic violence played. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, I was wondering if that, because when you were talking about, and I think when we hinted at this before, it's clearly deals with domestic violence, but maybe doesn't go quite far enough. I think some of that, um, at least in the original airing, is helped by being very blatantly acknowledged at the end with the domestic hot, uh, domestic violence hotline. Um, of course, that has not helped any time since it's on original air airing, airing yeah, or yeah. on original or any kind of like rerun cable network airing. Can't say for sure, but I like to think that they still include those. I think they do. Like when if it's like a, you know, CBS rerunning episodes and stuff, I think they keep that stuff in. I'm not sure. Um, but it's certainly not there on like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all those places when you're rewatching, which I think is a little irresponsible because it's like it was originally put there for a reason. I think it's good to keep it in. Yeah. Literally watched it today. So I know for a fact it's not there when you watch it on Hulu. I think we have a similar hot take. Do you want to go first or should I dig in? I want you to go go first because you probably actually like wrote out notes where I'm probably just going to agree with it all. This is one of the few times where I didn't like outline it out more. I just think that Debbie got kind of a raw into the deal here, not only as 100%. a character, but I think like, I think like, okay, is this a time like if if a show, it, okay, so they addressed domestic violence. That's a good thing to do. They didn't do it perfectly. They got a lot wrong. They got not a lot wrong. They got but like a few things they did get wrong. They got like real wrong. So then, yeah. is it like better? I think it's still good to to have tried to do something and not done it perfectly. So I have that thought in my brain. But then I'm just like, Debbie got done wrong, so wrong. She didn't need to die. There was no there. Right. Buffy could have interrupted it, saved her. Then there could have been this arc at the end where Debbie like mm-hmm. learned some something. She could have like realized her own self worth. She could have like we could have like gotten a line about her seeing the new counselor at the end of it. Like, I just feel like they, right. And, and it was the fact that she, or a moment between like her and Scott or something or, yeah, you know, them checking up on her later or something like that. And it was the fact that she both ended up dying and got, she didn't catch a break from anyone in this, not Pete, Mm -hmm. not Buffy, Willow, maybe like the slightest little bit, but I just feel like, yeah, I don't I I don't like how they treated Debbie's character. Both like because I feel protective of Debbie as a character, but then also because of the like larger narrative that that sends about about like victims of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. I I completely agree. Um I think I'm vaguely remembering a previous episode where they were again, it was clearly an episode about something, some kind of like 
cultural issue. And I feel like we disagreed on if they hit on it hard enough or if like they made it clear, made the lesson clear enough. And I thought that they had in this specific instance, I think it was borderline irresponsible. Um, it is language like that scene in the bathroom that keeps people from reporting. Yeah. It keeps people from going to somebody and seeking support, seeking help. That is dangerous. I I can see where these are characters who are introduced and killed in the same episode. So I can sort of see her dying from just like a, hmm. you know, preventing loose ends. Character of the week thing. Yeah. 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 I can I can kind of see it that way because because they they handled it so poorly earlier. I don't think it teaches the lesson that she died because like I can see the lesson being like, please get help. You are in a serious situation. There are life and death consequences. This is not a small problem. This is something that needs to be handled. You can't handle this on your own. You are, you shouldn't handle this on your own. Like I can see where that could be the lesson that they were like trying to teach. But again, because they handled it so poorly, so irresponsibly earlier, I don't think it gives that same answer. It Because of how it was handled previously, it almost gives the like, well, you get what you get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of gives the like, ah, she played with fire, she got burned. Like, It just heightens kind of... up the victim blaming as opposed to right. ratcheting up the, this is serious, please get help. Yeah, you're right. 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 There is, once again, no support for a woman. Um, and yeah, I think it teaches a really, the wrong, completely wrong lesson uh, in this specific episode. Yeah. Okay, we agree. Yeah, yeah. First, the next episode is good episode though. The next some... episode's really good. Ah, uh, I like the next. Well, episode. it is, and I'm okay that I found some faults and stuff because that goes back to our whole purpose with this podcast it was like reexamining. So, like hitting on Dead Man's Party so hard and being like, it is legitimately not just like a bad episode. It was like poorly written. Like mm. it was disjointed and not true to the characters and like dissonant from the rest of the series like i think having these episodes that we have these strong reactions to is good it's why we're having this podcast and it's why we continue to have this kind of like analysis and critical look of this show because it's important not just be like yep it's flawless yeah Done. yeah we're saying we <laughs> still love it even after many decades later in a critical review episode by episode again yeah you're exactly. right yeah exactly uh, and you know, as an Ali, as an Angel fan, as a Ali fan, I'm a big Ali fan. I'm um, a big Ali an fan, fan too. I'm the president <laughs> of the club, though. Sit down. Yes, you are. I'll be treasurer. No, I don't want that much responsibility. I'll just be a participant. <laughs> uh, as an Angel fan, I am definitely glad that he was brought back. As a curious person, I will continue. Just that I wasn't curious earlier in this episode. Oh, we're going to wrap up, I promise. Um, as a curious person, I still I do want to know why he was brought back. I want more of that like behind lore. I do want that question answered more than just like, hmm, guess it was the powers that be. But yeah, they definitely they never answer that. Yeah, so. another loose end 
to be tied up. Uh, ah, yeah. well. But yay, we're shirtless David Boreanaz. Oh, thank yay. goodness for that, man. Silver linings. The silver linings of this episode, that's the hot, that's the like opposite of the hot take. It's the companion to the hot take. It was Scott being sweet, all the Oz time, shirtless angel. So and it's I'll not throw a in, episode. I'll throw in one, some nice Giles dad moments. Yes, yes. And some some good some good dad moments. Wonderful. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. Uh, that wraps us up. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. And we hope you'll join us next time when we discuss season three, episode five, Homecoming. And if you're just too excited to wait until the next episode to chat, send us an email at tabularasabpod at gmail.com. That is T-A-B-U-L-A-R-A-S-A-B-P-O-D at gmail.com. And you can also say hello to us on... Did I mess that up? Did I say something twice? I think I might have. Oh, well. This is going to be fun no. for the people who listen to all the way till the end. Um, you can also say hello to us on Instagram or TikTok at at tabularasabpod. And the last plug I'll throw in here is that it is it really does so much for us uh, when folks leave ratings and reviews. Um, it really helps us um, reach new audiences. And um, word of mouth is one way that people get um, a lot of um, recommendations for podcasts. So if you're really enjoying this, okay. please share it with others. If you don't like it and you want to, somebody to hate listen along with you, you know, that works too. Please don't rate and review the podcast in that case. But, you yeah, know, you can still share Yeah, if you don't like us, wear Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. 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 Dude, <laughs> dude uh, yeah, deserves a lot of one-star ratings. Okay. Allie, where can people find you on social media? That dude sucks. God, what a bad person. Sucks. Okay, keep going. I met tangent, just last tangent. I met someone on set the other day when I was when I was background and we were having a lovely conversation. And then he mentioned that he loves Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh my God. And I was like, there was like, one cool. time end of conversation. There was yeah, one time this is not a new friend. I have to take this on another tangent too. There was one time I had the same exact experience. This guy who I worked with who I thought was really cool. We were talking about podcasts. He was like yeah, you really need to listen to this one podcast that I listen to all the time. It's the Joe Rogan podcast. And I literally interrupted him and I was like, Ugh, no, <laughs> no, no, bye. Um, Allie, where can people find you on social media? People can find me on Instagram at daughterpick, D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-P-I-C-K. And on TikTok at future black cat. One of my goals this year is to go back to putting out more black hat content. So now is the time to follow. And if you'd like to support me in my journey as an artist and maybe keep up a little bit with the behind the scenes stuff, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Allie Press. That's A-L-L-I-E. Press, like press a button. I essentially blog about my journey and you have the chance to send some monies my way if you'd like to help support me. Uh, and if you just want to skip the whole blog, you can go to Venmo alley dash press and all of those social media handles are going to be in the description i'm feeling awfully slappy Allie, and i hope that <laughs> you are too i hope you make some proud choices you as well and same to everyone else out there make proud choices don't abuse your partners do seek help you are not alone we love you big hugs Bye 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 Tabula Rasa Bitches is hosted by Ali Press and Nick Mercer, with music by Inflaton Cult, artwork by Charlotte Fleming Design, and 
written consultation by Evo Terra.